You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reaver with Fox 56, along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. And Kentucky made it interesting again, but controlled uh, the game, led all but two minutes, and beat Texas A&M Tuesday night 69-60. Uh, the story, of course, Emmanuel quickly, just uh, just remarkable performance. And uh, he started out hot, he stayed hot, and then when there was a lull in the game and he hadn't taken a shot in about eight or nine minutes, and all of a sudden Texas A&M had made a little run, uh, quickly comes up with a clutch buzzer-beating bank shot and then turns around and hits a three-ball game. Uh, it's just we're, we're watching something special right now. I think we were texting back and forth, and I said, yeah, he wants this player of the year. And you said he's got it, and I think he does. Yeah, I mean, he's 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 been, like, the thing for Emmanuel is that he was, like, just quietly consistent, you know, scoring 17 to 20 points every night, like every night. Yeah. Um, but the last three games, he's been, like, on this escalator to the top of the SEC player of the year. Um, race. He had 21 at LSU, and that's when I I asked Cal about, you know, is it time to talk about him for player of the year? And he went on the thing about, well, he hadn't scored 25 points. Right. And so then the next game he scores 26 against Florida, and then he goes to Texas A&M tonight and just carries Kentucky the whole way with 30. Uh, over the last three games, he's got 77 points, and he's made 14 of 22 three-pointers. Well, eight of them against Texas A&M. I eight mean, tonight. Yeah, he went. To, he's he's like on this uh, exponential kick. He went. He had two at LSU. He had four against Florida, and then eight <laughs> tonight. So uh, by that token, he's going to hit sixteen threes uh, in the next uh, in the next game. But he's been great. Just well, he abs- was absolutely on fire. He was asked about it after the game, and he said, uh, "No, I, I thought I had like four. I didn't realize I had eight. You know, I don't, I don't keep track of it." And and then Jerry Tipton asked him, "Like, uh, so uh, you went there from like the thirteen minute mark to the two minute mark where you didn't even shoot?" And he looks down and he goes, "Well, I took nineteen shots. I mean, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to complain, but it was weird. Yeah. Like when when LSU was making, or sorry, LSU when Texas A and M was making its last move, it was like, where did Emmanuel quickly go?" Uh, he went 10 minutes, I think, between shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you said, you know, you're know, you down to the final two minutes, two and a half minutes of the game, and he has that uh, crazy bank shot and then the three-pointer. And the other, the other person to talk about there is E.J. Montgomery. In oh, general, yeah. he had a great night, but he also he, – he, he had 10 rebounds – and five offensive rebounds, including on, I believe it was... The bank was the, shot. The bank shot that he had yeah. the offensive rebound. Yeah, he did. And got it back out. And then uh, he had an incredible assist. Was that on the three that he made? As, or uh, I'm not I'm sure trying, what that uh, one was. Yes. On uh, So then with a minute 20 to go, basically the dagger of the yeah. night, E.J. Montgomery... Uh, got assist. it on the right block and zipped it all the way across to the left wing uh, 
probably a 20-foot pass um, and to Emmanuel quickly for the dagger. Uh, basically, the game was over at that point. Uh, well, not just then, but they go on that 8-0 run and make it 44-38 with like 14 minutes to go, so it's a six-point game. And Emmanuel comes back and hits back-to-back threes, and it goes from a six-point game to a 12-point game in less than a minute, you know, yeah, or about he, a minute's time. He is – that's my whole thing. Like, the reason I've been on this train for a little while with Emmanuel, even before these huge scoring games, is that he hits every big shot for them. You know, and Kenny talked about that yesterday. You know, he said, you know, you look at all the big shots and the big free throws and the big plays down the stretch, the common denominator – is Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you go, okay, he's the clutchest guy on the team in the league. May, you know, one of the clutchest performers in college basketball, if not the, because um, we've talked about the free throws. He's missed one crunch time free throw all season. Um, he's hit all these big three pointers and not just at the end of games, but as you said, like when uh, it feels like all the time when a team is making a run, and Kentucky needs somebody to stabilize them offensively, it's Emmanuel quickly that hits the three. Um, and then when you put all those big shots and clutch plays and you add that to now this, this total scoring binge and three-point heater that he's on, he's, he's uh, almost at 50% in league play from three. Um, he was, uh, it might be 50%. At one point during the game I did the math and it was 49% uh, in SEC Really? Play. Yeah. Well, I've, so, I've actually got it written down right here up until that game. Uh, he was 31 of 68. Yes, uh, 31 of 68, and now he's 8 of 12. So he's 39 of 80. 80. So right on it. 39 divided by 80 is 49%. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, in, in how, many, how many league games have they played now? 14? 15. So in 15, 13 and two, is that in right? 15 SEC games, he's 49% from three. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, with three games left in the slate. So, so yeah, I mean, look. Yeah, 39 he of 80. He'd probably be the first major conference player of the year that didn't play, that didn't start, you know, 30% of the games the team played. But yeah. I really don't care at this point. Like, I just no. – I don't think – when, when there's not a, like, dominant guy – and you're 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 choosing among sort of a mix of like good good to really good players and you just go okay who's the best player in the conference the best player in the conference schedule is like almost inarguably Emmanuel quickly now but these last couple games he's got to be pushing 19 20 points a game in in conference play um it's pretty uh it's pretty outrageous <laughs> the other crazy thing about quickly is i guess he hasn't attempted enough Threes. I pulled up just just the conference stats. Uh, yeah, and, I didn't find it. He's that's, not in the top five in three point percentage. That's why I had it written down as I yeah. went through and did every every conference game because he wasn't in there. Yeah, he had so he had sixty eight attempts coming in tonight. Everybody on the top five had at least seventy four. Hmm. Uh, but just based on that list, assuming that now that he's got eighty attempts, he would qualify. He would be second in the league. Noah Locke from Florida's. 53% from three. Um, Which uh, Mike White credited Emmanuel quickly with shutting down <laughs> Saturday. Yeah, and Cal- you know what? Calipari mentioned that tonight on the broadcast after the game. Like Everybody's talking about his scoring, but he's a great defender. Which, mm-hmm. by the way, is another thing I wrote about a long time ago and we talked about. like That people just weren't 
paying enough attention to his defense. And that, like, put all that together, too. Like, he is a right. He is the, the second. Of it. He's the second best defender on the team, and he's the absolute best scorer on the best team in the SEC. Uh, I don't know, you know, unless he just falls flat. You know, like Nick Richards has faded pretty hard in the yeah. Player of the Year race, and mm-hmm. not all that was his fault tonight. EJ Montgomery having that big game was part of the equation, but Richards had four points, six rebounds, what one block, two blocks. In 27 minutes, gotten some foul trouble. Um, right. I think if anybody for Kentucky wins that thing, it's going to be quickly now. And, and he just, I mean, it's hard to imagine a game where he doesn't score a dozen points on a bad night. Uh, right. If for right. some reason he just tanked for the last three games, maybe maybe he doesn't win it. But I, I feel like he's getting close to wrapping the thing up. And yeah. as is Kentucky, by the way, now seven straight wins, 11 out of 12, uh, 15 out of 17. For Kentucky, and they're they go with three to play. They're two games up of Auburn and LSU, and the Auburn game Saturday at home at Rupp Arena is a clincher. If they win that game, they've clinched the one seed in the tournament and the SEC championship. So, um, yeah. Well, let's know. go to a break, and we'll talk more about this win over Texas A&M and what's ahead for Kentucky when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. <laughs> Locked on Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. All right, we're back here on the Locked on Kentucky podcast. And right before we went to break, you mentioned, you know, Auburn game on Saturday would be, you know, clinch the top seed for Kentucky should uh, the Cats win that game. Uh, And one of the key things for Auburn in their win over Tennessee, where they were down 17 points and, you know, they've been without Isaac Okoro and they had lost back-to-back games and then uh, he was still out uh, against Tennessee and they got down 17 in the second half. They wind up uh, with 18 steals in that game, forcing 24 turnovers. And you look at Kentucky against Texas A&M, 17 turnovers. Uh, n- not good. I mean, Texas A&M 17 turnovers had... and 17 assists, same number. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, the assists, you like 17 assists on yeah. 24 baskets. I mean, you like that. But yes. 17 turnovers. I mean, you, you can't play into Auburn's hands. I, I don't think that that'll be a game where there's 44 free throws taken for Auburn, but um, you can't play into their hands again another way and turn the ball over. Uh, and, and we can talk about that more as that game approaches. Um, I do feel like we should pay a little bit more attention to EJ Montgomery and what he did. We, you know, we've heard Calipari say he's close. We heard Kenny Payne say he's very close and, uh, he's working down on the post. And since Kenny Payne said how much he was working in the post, I paid attention to that more during this game, and he, he was. Uh, there were times where uh, he was on the other side of the floor and they reversed the ball. There were times where he, he had his hand up, like, throw me the ball, and they weren't giving it to him. Uh, but he worked his butt off, and afterwards Calipari said uh, it is the best uh, he's seen him play in quite some time. I think it's the best he's looked since high school. Uh, he's had bigger stat nights, but I he started out great again. I mean, like the first five minutes of that game, he was just outstanding. Faded a little bit, then came back, you know, as he has done a ton recently. He'll have a heart, hot start. He'll fade away a little bit, and then he's, you know. At, Pick up when a the, couple fouls when the first game, But then when the game's on the line, he's made some huge, you know, offensive rebounds or blocks or whatever. Just a totally well-rounded game from EJ. Eight points on just five shots, uh, five offensive rebounds, ten total rebounds, three assists. Again, he was great passing the ball. Uh, two steals and a block. 
and and he yeah. played 38 minutes. Right. Um, that is the thing that really impressed me that, that he he somehow played 38 minutes, and that speaks to that conditioning caliper he talked about. Uh, you know, right. he hadn't. It might be. I haven't looked, but that might be a season high in minutes for EJ Montgomery. I would maybe, imagine maybe it is. maybe yeah, just by one foul, maybe by a lot. Um, well, the game he but, scored twenty five against. Uh, I don't know who it was against Utah Valley or something like that. Or uh, yeah, um, or Fairly Dickinson. Yeah, he played thirty minutes in that game. Played thirty one against UAB. Yeah, this was his most. And played thirty two against Mississippi State. This was six more minutes than he's played in any game all season. And he well, played Miss thir- State was the, the last game that made us all go, oh, who was that? Yeah, who 12 was that points, E.J. Montgomery? 12 points, eight rebounds, a block, yeah. uh, three steals. Um, you know, I wrote about that today, about just when we talked about it, you know, the steady progression. Well, he had 30, played 30 minutes against Florida, played 38 minutes tonight. Um, you know, he's – He's starting to – I mean, he had one block and two steals tonight. He had two blocks the other night, two blocks the night before that. He had back-to-back games with three blocks, uh, three out of four games in one stretch. Auburn, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, uh, three of those – all three of those games he had three blocks in. So he's starting to be a little bit of a defensive factor. He's had now in the last one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games uh, – He's had four of the last seven games. He's had at least eight rebounds. Yeah, he's had a ten big. and eight and nine and an eight. I mean that all of that is big, uh, and he's offensively confident. I mean, threw down a couple big time dunks. Um, the fact that he would drive and then kick, you know, he was driving uh, to make plays. I was just really super impressed by EJ. At one point, he was bulldozing his man to get to post up, and it was right. like a clear illustration of what Kenny was talking about yesterday, that he's posted up more aggressively, harder than ever. Right. And he was just bullying his guy, and he got called for an offensive foul. Um, but I think I, if I'm Kenny Payne, I'm sure they were over there celebrating that, that mm-hmm. like that EJ Montgomery was pushing somebody hard enough on the post uh, to get an offensive foul. So as great of a performance as that was from Emmanuel Quickly, it's just an extension of what we've come to expect from him. It was better than he's had yet, but it was still just kind of an extension of what we've become to expect from Emmanuel quickly. This from EJ was to me the biggest development of the night of, of, you know, the last couple of weeks, maybe. Yeah. Well, um, back to quickly there. It was funny after the, after the game, one thing was, I mean, you noticed early quickly was hot. Like he hit three, three of his first three from three, and uh, someone asked him that uh, if they saw something there. And he was like, yep, we did. We saw something on film that that was going to be there for quickly. So, we, you know, we told him that that was going to be there for him. But then he said at the halftime, at half, I wanted to choke him because we ran a play for Nate Sestina and he was wide open and quickly took the shot instead of passing to him. And then right after that, Jerry Tipton from the Herald Leader says, you know, it, it feels, John, like you're kind of downplaying the, the the 30 points that Emmanuel quickly had, that you're downplaying his performance, which I had gotten that feeling. I mean, going back to when you asked him about at, at LSU, the way he answered that and pointed out that, well, quickly is the one who hasn't gotten 25 for us yet this season. And then right. you say, well, you know, should we be talking SEC player of the year now? Calipari pauses forever. You ready for this? I'm with IQ. Yeah, he was good. Let's talk about Tyrese Maxey. I mean, and then yep. he, you know, just goes on. And then so 
Uh, tonight after the game, it was not. I think he was one of their first questions was, "What about Emmanuel Quickly?" He's like, "Yep, he's good." And so his answer tonight was, "Why? Well, I don't know what you want me to say. I'm not downplaying." And he had thirty. It's great. He took nineteen shots. He got thirty. That's not bad. So, I, so I, but but I, for Calipari, he is the kind of the hype man. He's always hyping up guys when they do well. Yeah, I don't understand it. I, 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 don't I really this is a this is a really strange year to me with Cal. Because I don't understand his logic on who he's hyping and how and why. Like, he's apologizing for Ashton Higgins, who had five more turnovers tonight. Started out great and played kind of poorly down the stretch. Um, yeah, he was playing well early. And then he, you know, but he apologizes for, for Higgins and then sort of downplays quickly. And I don't I don't understand it. But uh, um, Higgins looked like he was, like, heard all the criticism and was going to come – to take everybody's throats out early on. He dunked right. on he dunked on a dude that was like the most bouncy I've seen Hagen since he was in high school. Yeah. Um and he ended up with a pretty solid night, eleven points, got his assists back up at least, seven assists, four rebounds, and a steal. Played thirty nine minutes, so much for giving him a break. Played thirty nine minutes. Um didn't look like his body was broken down at all though in this one. But five turnovers, I think three of those, two at least, and maybe three of those were offensive fouls. So they mm-hmm. weren't necessarily as like just totally reckless, although if you're out of control and you're getting offensive fouls called on you, um, you know those are turnovers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the you know he was he came in in the last nine games averaging four turnovers, and he had five tonight. I think he's had. Five plus, uh, let's see, well, he had six last game, five this game, uh, five against Tennessee, six against Auburn, five against Vanderbilt. So he's had five plus uh, six times in the last ten games. Yeah. That ain't great. Um, And it's just, it's something that they've got to get figured out because Quickly's playing great. EJ's coming on now, You, you know, Assume Nick will get it dialed back in. Tyrese Maxey started out kind of wonky, but I think in general he's played much more of a well-rounded game lately, and then he came back and hit some big shots down the stretch after kind of pissing off Calipari, I thought, for a lot of that game. But he ends up with 13 points, hits a couple big threes, 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, just two turnovers in 37 minutes for Maxey. Well, part of that uh, Calipari explained afterward is that he had told Tyrese that if they pass you the ball to the middle from, you know, from whichever side, from say the left, when they're passing you the ball to the left, don't drive back that way because the guy who passed you the ball, his guy's over there, and the guy who's guarding you is in on that side too. So you're just so driving drive, right into the defense, right? So drive the other way. And he said he did that eight times, and on seven of them, I told him after each one, drive the other way, and he kept doing it. <laughs> so. Wow. That's why he was a little perturbed. That's, At least that's yeah, I mean, that's a pretty basic command, if that's what it really was. I mean, that's a pretty basic command to just somehow flatly ignore. Yeah. But um, but I thought he did get it back together. I thought he did make some really big plays down right, the stretch. Right. Um, you know, so to, to me, I think we're back to Ashton Hagens is the mm-hmm. key. Can they can yep. he get back to playing at this sort of all-conference all level? As a point guard. And you remember think that, Bruce Pearl saying the key to their team is Ashton Higgins and Nick Richards. Well, that was then. Yeah, and they game plan to take him away. You know, yeah. and, 
and they it's got their now. they got their guy back. Auburn did. Uh, yeah, Coro played tonight against uh, Ole Miss, and they won. Auburn did at home to keep their SEC championship hopes alive. And um, so you know they'll be you know they're looking at what's happened to Ashton Hagens. Oh my goodness, I'm watching the North Carolina game and uh, Cole Anthony with a steal and a big dunk and. The team, uh, they're beating the team that, uh, the last team that beat Duke, NC State, right now. Uh, we'll talk about that. There's some, much more to talk about. We've got to take another break, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back. We've got to talk about the broadcast of the game itself. Uh, the, yeah, the was Duke. there a broadcast of the game? Yeah, the uh, Duke I think it was situation. the Marty Smith uh, variety show. <laughs> we'll continue on the Locked On Kentucky podcast after this. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. We're back here on the Lockdown Kentucky podcast. And, uh, yes, Duke has lost, uh, again, by double digits to another uh, unranked team, losing to NC State uh, by double digits. That was in regulation. Uh, This one on Tuesday night, uh, losing in overtime. Double overtime, wasn't it? Uh, Double overtime. And I don't know how you lose by 11 in overtime. Yeah. Lose by 11. You get outscored by 11 in a five-minute period. But, uh, um, to an Awake Forest team that was 11 and 15 going into that game. So then you tweeted out um, basically Kentucky's resume versus Duke's. Yep. And because Duke is widely considered, was like in the mix for a one seed. And right. Definitely a two, and Kentucky's on the four line, maybe three. Uh, and their resumes are interesting now after tonight. Yeah. I mean, Duke. Uh, has losses to number 103 Wake Forest, 105 Stephen F. Austin. This is at Ken, home. Pom, Ken Palm rankings. Uh, 14 and 12 Clemson, 17 and 10 NC State, which may lose to North Carolina tonight. Uh, three top 50 wins: Kansas, Michigan State, Florida State. Well, Kentucky also beat Michigan State. Kentucky has. You know, that loss to Evansville, which is 290, and it was at home, yes. Number 112, Utah, and 16 and 11, South Carolina. But seven top 50 wins. Louisville, Texas Tech, Florida, LSU, Alabama, Arkansas, and, yeah, the Michigan State. So, yeah, I think uh, it's very comparable. Seven top 50 versus three top 50. You have the worst. Kentucky has the worst of the losses. Duke has the best win of the two to beat Kansas, the the clear number one team right now, but they beat them on a neutral court in the very first game of the season. Um, But I just, you know, that's a coin flip to me if you're the committee, like body of work. Right. um, You know, you could could build a case either way, but I think having four more top 50 wins uh, and let's see – Two, three, three of those are on the road. Four of them are away from Rupp Arena uh, right. against the top 50. And the chance to go down to Florida and get another one and, and, and potentially beat Auburn and get I mean, they could end up with nine uh, top 50 wins. Um, at which point, you know, I think at some point you have to sort of not absolve Kentucky of the Evansville loss, but you, I think you – you at some point minimize it, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they, if they end the regular season, I mean, it's uh, a different team. If they, if they end the regular season with 10 consecutive victories, um, and they've got nine top 50 wins going into the sec tournament. I don't know. What else are they supposed to do? They've proven they're not the same group. Uh, but, but I think that's the reason this Duke loss and the last two losses 
NC State and Wake Forest, but especially Wake, a, a, a sub-500 team, uh, a team that's in, outside the top 100 in all the metrics. There's, it's a difference between losing a game in your third game of the season and losing a game to a team like this in late February. Yeah, with a I few mean, games left in the a, regular season. Like that, you know, you can't be like, oh, we're a different team now. That was It was last week, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, you know, when the selection committee's making decisions. I, I don't know. I, that's and they a, say. That's a bad they, loss for Duke. They say that it all counts the same. Like, you know, which first is ridiculous. Game of the season, I, just, which I think I mean, so too. Well, I understand I mean, that you want to give some credit for big non conference wins, but. It's the goal of every team to improve from game one to the final game of the regular season and be playing no. your best come March. And so that last month, I think, means a little bit more. And then it, I do it think does. I do think you can still wait big non-conference wins, but say, look, who wouldn't realistically want to take into consideration how the team is playing right now? Because they're right. playing the tournament right now. They're not playing the tournament in November. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it used to be a metric that they used, last 10 games. Right. Um, I, the fact that they don't do that now, to me, seems absurd. Uh, yeah. What if, it, you know, I, I, they do weigh in, like, injuries. Like, a, a, if a really good team, uh, you know, has a star for most of the year, but he breaks his leg three weeks before the end of the season, like, they do weigh that in, their, in trying to figure out what to do with yes. them. And they, they or if they get a guy back, you know, if a if – Zion missed 12 games and came back at the end, like they're going to weigh that. So why mm-hmm. would you not consider like, okay, this team has all its good wins recently. This team has its worst loss recently. Uh, it matters, but I, I, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I can tell you the, um, the, the ESPN broadcast is starting to drive me crazy. Like I get, if I tune in and Bill Walton's on the broadcast, I get what that's about. I know what they're doing. It's it's intentional. They know what they got. And you should know what you got when you tune in. That's just it. Like, the game is not the main thing. There is a sideshow, and it's Bill Walton. And that's intentional. But this, I, I don't know. When they go off and uh, the game, yeah, I mean, Kentucky was definitely in control. It's a double-digit lead, and I get that. But then they just start going down this rabbit hole where no one cares about Martin. If you want to mention it, yeah, okay. Look, I have a nice suit on. He shows the inside. Yeah, it's a nice suit. Okay, move on. You know, then we come back. We got to show Jimmy's suit, and then we're we're talking about and who gives a shit how long this guy had to travel <laughs> to get to do his job. Did you get paid? Then shut up. We don't want to hear you whining about. It. Oh, what a trooper! You made it to this game to work. I fine. Give pay me to do it. I'll do it too. I'll take the red eye. I'll drive two hours. I mean, yeah, it was bad. I mean, because the game was never an actual blowout. I mean, the, the no. largest margin was 14, I think. And then um, they'd go, oh, we got ourselves a game. Yeah, because you two dumbasses <laughs> have been chit-chatting back and forth about suits and whatnot. You've been missing the game that we all tuned in to watch. This is why we're here. We also do not tune in to watch Calipari sit on the bench and just you know move his head back and forth like he's watching tennis. I, I didn't tune in for that either. Yeah, all the split in. screens were pretty yes. awful. I mean, it was a bad television broadcast. It uh, was awful. It was awful. I think John Hale tweeted that the the play by play guy was a, is actually pretty good, but you know Jimmy Dykes and Yuckle Yuckle Chucks. Uh, Marty Smith. I mean, seems like a nice, very nice human being. I don't mind but, Marty Smith. It's just in but the, it's 
it's so much cheesy stuff. I mean, yeah, it's also sticky to me, like the all shucksy, you know, right? And like, how many times can he tell us that he's like best buds with Nick Saban at Alabama? And uh, it, and then it, was, we get in, it was all a bit much. And then we get into promoting Jimmy Dykes' book. And that he's going to be somewhere at Rupp Arena signing it. And then oh we got to talk about Marty Smith's that. book and how much Buzz Williams liked Marty Smith's book. And I'm like, you know what? I'm definitely not buying or reading either one of them. And if anybody asked me about it, I was like, I'll say I read the first chapter and threw it in the trash. That's what you've done to me. It's a terrible book. Yeah, that was <laughs> These, bad. That when they start letting them do book commercials. Oh, my uh, gosh. And like the weird thing, too, is um, you know a lot of Kentucky's games are on SEC Network and other places they haven't been on espn a ton like espn right. proper you have an opportunity there to like tell the story of this kentucky team right uh and they didn't spend a whole lot of time doing that uh, i mean if you're gonna like do, i like when broadcasts if, if they do think there's a, a little bit of a breathing room in the margin they start to tell stories like yes but but like marty smith's suit <laughs> not uh, a story no totally Totally unnecessary. And I don't I just, mind uh, having a little bit of fun. I'm not against you guys, you know, ribbing each other a little bit and having a little bit of fun. But you have to remember that I really, really, really do not care about Jimmy Dyke's personal life at all. And I did not tune into this game for it. I really, really don't care. Like, if something bad happens in his family, okay, I, I feel for you or whatever. <laughs> but his travel schedule... But yeah, his what travel wearing, schedule. Yes, his book I that he wrote. Do not. Probably that's what Twitter's for. If you want to, yeah. If you want to go mean, tell inst- us on Twitter, Marty have an Instagram account. You can show off your damn Jordans on there. But you know, for the basketball game, I don't care. That's what they hate. They, they, I just have to remember that they are not the main thing. They're not why we tuned in at all. Get over yourselves. By the way, most points Wake Forest scored against an ACC opponent in uh, thirteen. 13- 13 years. Wow. I mean, it was a double overtime game, but that was a lot of points. Um, no doubt. Good anyway. grief. Yeah, so the highlights are uh, Manuel Quickly's awesome. Probably going to win SEC Player of the Year. Kentucky's rolling. Probably going to win the SEC Championship. Uh, Duke yep. lost again, and that makes Kentucky fans happy. Uh, ESPN broadcast stunk. EJ <laughs> Montgomery is maybe On his way. Through. So close. Yep. And Ashton Hagens is uh, still a turnover machine. So that ought to do it for this that episode is. of Locked On Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk more about the Auburn game coming up this week. And then uh, there was one other great article I thought from uh, our buddy there at Hoops Insights or Hoops Insight. Uh, if you didn't see it, he tweeted it uh, today on Tuesday uh, as part of his Texas A&M preview. And uh, we'll, we'll discuss it more because he brings up some really, really good points uh, and some stuff that kind of explains some things and stuff that we had kind of questioned and wondered about. He does a good job of explaining that. Uh, so we'll make sure we talk about that a little bit on tomorrow's podcast. Until then, follow us on Twitter. I'm at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R. And Kyle is at Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Yeah, have a great Wednesday, everybody. <laughs>